exploring legal options to end Cristiano Ronaldo's time at the club following an interview with Talk TV in the UK. And that's all the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to another Saturday morning, which means it's time for The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. Hope you're having a lovely start to the weekend. As we're slowly creeping into December, we're seeing lots of celebratory lights and decorations around the streets of Hong Kong. Speaking about that, last Thursday, the annual Operation Santa Claus charity campaign celebrated its 35th anniversary. And this year, we're continuing to deliver the holiday spirits to 15 NGOs and charities who are aiding vulnerable communities in Hong Kong. The annual charity drive is jointly organized by RTHQ Radio 3 and South China Morning Post. Here are some of the highlights of the evening. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you now, to speak on behalf of RTHK, a brand new director of broadcasting, Mr. Eddie Chang. I will ask you a question. And it is even more interesting because the question comes with a cash price. So are you ready? Here comes my million dollar question. What is the mission statement of Operation Santa Claus? Anybody? No? I know the answer, so I'm the winner. <laughs> the mission statement of Operation Santa Claus is to drive and lead the spirit of giving to bring people together to brighten Hong Kong economy. So I'm not going to take my prize back because the best way to lead is by example. So I'm going to donate my money to Operation Santa Claus. And I hope you will follow. <laughs> this platform is very powerful in a way that, you know, like um, apart from the money that we raised, you know, over the past years is 353 million in support of 323 projects, charity projects. But it's also a platform that actually combined people and all the forces together. So we are able to build bridges and collaboration among Hong Kong's leading corporate citizens and organizations, schools, NGOs, and the public. And I think that's a very powerful resource that we should always, you know, not take for granted. Uh, we are a non-self-hunted NGO serving people living with severe physical impairment. What do I mean by severe physical impairment? We mean paralysis. We mean the severity of paralysis. We believe that everyone, including quadriplegics, have the right to choose to live in their own home, in the communities, instead of moving to a designated residential care homes. With dignity and respect, we believe in that. We believe in inclusion, incorporating them in the society. I hope you do too. Thank you. Sports in all its forms foster important values including teamwork, respect, fair play and inclusion. These are values not just at the heart of the Operation Santa Cross but also at the heart of our caring community. The government holds dear these values 
which underline our goals as what the chief executive said in his policy address to build a more promising and united Hong Kong where people enjoy living and working. I commend RTHK Radio 3 and the South China Morning Post on organizing Operation Santa Cross, which continues to spread the spirit of giving for the benefit of citizens in need across our city. Santa Claus makes me realize the important things in life, giving, helping, and making others' lives better. It is a joy for me to be involved in this 35th anniversary celebration. For now, let me wish you and your loved ones all the best. Enjoy the rest of this evening and have the happiest of Christmases. some of the highlights of the 35th celebration of Operation Santa Claus. If you would like to contribute to the 15 wonderful charities we're supporting, check out our website at osc.hk.org. If you're thinking of what to do for the weekends and happen to be near Chim Sa Choi, there is something that you might want to check out. The latest must-see art exhibition is a giant 8-meter tall gummy bear sculpture and it's currently near the Chim Sa Choi Clock Tower brought by the First Initiative Foundation from the 17th of November to mid-December. The exhibition features renowned American artist Wisby's largest art piece to date. Telling us more about the sculpture and how it was brought to Hong Kong is the artist Wisby himself and curator Adrian Zhang. Um, so Adrian reached out to me last year and um, he proposed the project, uh, which I scoffed at initially because um, whenever somebody reaches out from far, far away with a big project and big dreams, it's often uh, something that doesn't come true. But the more we got to know each other, the more serious I realized he was. And he asked if I wanted to bring my iconic vandal gummy to Hong Kong and if I could find a, a unique way to integrate it into the city. So that was the project that we've been working on that we revealed uh, yesterday. Fantastic. What, what do we look at? Like, give people an idea. If they haven't seen it yet, this is radio after all, uh, give us an idea of what it looks like. So essentially it's eight meters tall. If you could take uh, the uh, a gummy bear, essentially, uh, juxtaposed on Department of Corrections, holding a mugshot plaque um, with uh, almost dinosaur-like horns on its head and a large scale uh, on its back with a tail and its signature Hong Kong red with a giant LCD screen as the plaque, which allows us to kind of uh, integrate different visuals into the installation and the clock tower. And, and what is it made of? I mean, and, and how difficult was it to, uh, to actually transport it here? Um, it was quite difficult to transport here. Uh, the primary material is fiberglass. Um, it was built in full uh, and then deconstructed and then reconstructed on site, which took about four days or so. Uh, to put back together, and um, yeah, so now we've got our eight meter tall standing uh, gummy bear standing in front of the uh, the clock tower. And uh, you've made uh, many uh, gummy bear sculptures in the past, and this this one is uh, different because, uh, like you just mentioned, it's got an LED screen. Why why is there an LED screen this time? So about two and a half three years ago, I got heavy into the digital and NFT space, 
and I wanted to find a way to start to evolve my artwork and bridge the gap between the two mediums. And this I saw as a perfect opportunity to do something new and to allow us kind of um, something diverse that we could we could show to to the community. So that's why I wanted to take the opportunity to try something new for the first time and um, uh, with such an audience and a platform to see it. But you said it was cra- crazy idea from Adrian Chung. Adrian, why, what inspired you to reach out? I mean, of all the artists and all the gin joints in the world, why why Wisby? Why did you have to bring Wisby to Hong Kong? Uh, good morning. Well, thank you for that question. Um, well, honestly, I think number one, who doesn't love gummy bears? <laughs> I think that's that's one of the, the key. Um, and secondly, I thought Josh's work um, would be very suitable for a public art installation. I think it's very key. One of the key messages as a curator for FIF as well, the First Initiative Foundation, is really to allow people to understand that art is not just found in museums, in exhibitions, and in private collections. We wanted to bring art to everywhere, to everyone. And I think the gummy bear as a signature work um, can be as simple as you like it. It's just simply as simple as you like gummy bears, or it can be as complex as Josh has um, meaning behind it, right? So I think that's what we thought it would be very suited um, for, such a, for such an exhibition, basically. Um, we wanted to cross kind of... Um, the divide between all the generations, they are from kids, the young and all the like. So I think that's really the, the, the main purpose of this exhibition. Right. And Mr. Chen, why put the gummy bear next to uh, the Chim Shou Chui clock tower? Why not the uh, like Golden Bahania Square or, or the peak? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think the clock tower is uh, really serendipitous. Uh, we found this place, um, as you know, the Hong Kong clock tower is a very iconic historical monument. It has over 100 years of history. And, and we, we know that from uh, Wispy's uh, artwork as well, that he also has uh, a lot of meaning behind his gummy bear sculptures, which basically translates in a simple form, but Josh can probably, that Wispy can also uh, relate on that, is about innocence lost, is about the growth of a person. And we know that as the clock tower, it's overseeing a lot of our history of Hong Kong, and, you know, as time passes by, and we feel that time as a concept would really meld the two historical buildings and Wispy's um, art together. So we thought that was a quite a good match. Mm. We talked about the medium. I'm going to go all Marshall McLuhan here. We talked about the medium. Is, is, is that the message, like Adrian said, Wispy? Yes. Yeah, so the, the message, um, in short, behind the Vandal Gummy series is innocence lost. And it's juxtaposing the innocence of the gummy bear against Department of Corrections to create a narrative of kind of what happened. And I don't like to tell people what to think, especially when it comes to artwork, but I like to create a platform for a dialogue and pose a question for a story that they can create on their own. And so the date on the bear represents a significant turning point in my life, and I like people to think of a day in their life that was significant that may have turned or changed them being exactly where they are today, or maybe they wouldn't be if it wasn't for that day. Right. And just very, very briefly, um, Mr. Cheung, I know at this um, public uh, art exhibition, and there's also interactive elements to it. Can you just very briefly tell us about it? Yeah, so as... As Wistie was saying, um, there's definitely a um, kind of marriage of physical and digital. And for this exhibition in particular, we've actually designed two special um, I guess digital effects. One is an Instagram filter, where one person can basically become a gummy bear head, which was which similar to basically what we are seeing at the clock tower. And the second filter would be basically what we're having as giveaways on the weekends, a bear balloon headpiece. So that's a bit of fun, and for people to, you know, take photos of themselves at the clock tower with the art installation. And the second element would be the 
augmented reality um, elements where people can actually go to a link, find out um, the bear itself, and actually bring it with them around Hong Kong. So basically, whenever you open the camera, you'll have that bear sitting in front of you. You can manipulate it. You can make it large. You can make it small. You can bring it in your own home. And that really kind of transcends the possibility. You don't actually have to be at the installation to enjoy it. American street artist Wisby and curator Adrian Jung were speaking to Janice Wong and Andrew Work on Friday's Bat Chat. If you would like to simply just stay indoors for the weekend, why not try a new game? Contract Bridge or Bridge is a card game using a standard 52-card deck played by four members in two competing partnerships. This game can be quite competitive, and it can be traced back to the early 1400s. If you're a player and you're confident in your skills, be sure to stay tuned because up next, Derek Zen, the president of the Hong Kong Contract Bridge Association, is telling us more about how we can play the game in an upcoming worldwide tournament, and you can be the next champion. Well, our association was formed almost 70 years ago. Okay, uh, initially it's only three member, then extended now to 14 members. Uh, what we are called this uh, APPF. Uh, Hong Kong Country Bridge, one of the APPF uh, uh, com- uh, member. So now the APPF in- include most of the Asia countries. That's amazing that you have been around for that the association has been around for so long yeah. and such a wide range of uh, uh, members. Also, looking at your website, uh, people from all walks of life. Correct, because uh, whatever. We don't care who you are, how rich you are, or how care how how, how young you are. As long as you preach good bridge, we say you are up ahead. <laughs> we welcome you. Yes. Um. Well, let's talk a little bit about this card game for some yeah. of our listeners who may not be so familiar mm. with it. Um. How would you explain it? Do you know how to play big two? <laughs> yes, Chad. Ah, that, that that's much easier because it's otherwise very difficult to to, to explain. The difference between bridge and big two, three difference, okay? One is we play in partnership. Those sitting opposite each other is a partner, okay? So two against two, not individual. And second, uh, we all, the card, when we only one, one card per, uh, one, one card can, and whoever wins then play the next card. Okay. Unlike big two can be two, three, five, okay? So that's the, the second difference. The most difficult, difficult part is the third difference because in bridge, we have two stages. The first stage is bidding. The second stage is the play, okay? When we do the bidding, we have to declare, just like if it's, at quote example, at big two as well. If you have a very good card, you say, I can, well, take all the cards, okay? You declare, but you must declare first before you put the, play the first card. And if you, even you win, and but not all, you lost the game. So that, that's a real challenge. So you need to declare it first. Yes. So during the bidding, we need to find out from our partner what's our combina- combined strength and what can, we can do. But the other, on the other side, the other two is also competing because if you have more space, that means they have more hearts, okay? Something like this. So we're competing and which level we can choose to stop or else you, you can reach, you can make the contract. So that, that's the most difficult part in, of, of bridge. 
Afterwards is the play, play stage. Play stage is very similar to, to uh, that big two. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it, it sounds like there's a real strategy behind bridge. How much of it comes down to luck and strategy? Because you've got to have good cards. No, 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 no. Because bridge now play is duplicate bridge. Why? Why we call it duplicate? Because we'd always play in a team of four. Okay. On one table, let's say Noreen and you and me sitting north south, and our teammate sitting east west. So if we play one board, after we play this card, you, it's put it back, put to, back into the board. And then to, the east and the west plays it. Yeah, and ah, the, to the next yes, table yes, yes. and to play again. So it, say one match probably us, usually is 15, 16 boards. Yes. So we play all 16 boards and they also play the exactly the same team. Okay. So in, in theory, the luck factor is eliminated. Got okay? it, got it. But there's still some luck factor like because as you know if you play tai tai you have the tai and samdi yes. yeah the position of second the second one determine the luck okay so that's the part of luck that in in the in a bridge but that's below less than 10 percent over 90 percent is your skill your your understanding with your partner how you handle the hand etc etc yeah i mean yeah a lot of it comes down to the strategy and sort of uh, the chemistry between you and your partner are you often with the same partner um for for, for bridge or you know can you play with somebody new and still have you can that? always play with somebody new but if you're really serious you have to have a partnership because we in our play we have no sound no sight because we don't see our partner there's a screen diagonally across the table. So we all rely on the way we pull the card, play the card. Big, small, small, big. And so every card carries meaning. You have to understand each other. Wow. And also in the bidding, you have to know what he has or has not. Why doesn't he not, not, not bid? So must you have to deduce what he doesn't have. Wow, but you have to do it because you understand each other. You, there's no speaking at all. There's, you can't even see each other. Yes. Amazing. Okay, maybe we'll get you to share some strategies so that our listeners um, can, can also, uh, you know, get to know this game a bit better. Now, as, as I mentioned in the intro, um, Hong Kong uh, uh, is hosting the championships yes. uh, next year. How does the community feel about that? Well, I mean, the bridge is uh, unfortunately not the, that popular game. Uh, so we we try to promote uh, to the schools etc. So uh, we just mentioned uh, I just mentioned we just uh, been able to get the uh, right to host the next uh, APPF Asia Pacific uh, game. So that will be held in ne uh, June next year. Uh, hopefully by that time all the quarantine will be gone. Yes, okay. fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, that that's uh, because the first three. Uh, winner or not the winner first three highest high score can represent this zone to play in the World Cup so that that's the that's why it's Whoa. important Derek Zen president of the Hong Kong Contract Bridge Association was speaking on Thursday's brunch with Noreen on Monday morning Phil Whelan spoke to conductor Andrew Lang and singer Liz Sullivan of the Sicilian Singers for their upcoming Christmas concerts the Mixed Choir was founded back in 1962, and this year they're celebrating their 60th anniversary. Let's hear more about the celebrations and what we can expect from the concerts. 
Sure. So from the Sicilian's point of view, I, I joined just over 10 years ago when I returned, when I came to Hong Kong originally yeah, to get yeah. back into choir singing. And um, I'm now vice chair and also do all the marketing and publicity and ticket Everything. sales for the choir. Everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Andrew, welcome to the programme, man. You're the guy who stands at the front doing the windmill and I hear exceptionally well. Tell us about your job. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Thank you, Phil. Um, I am the conductor of the Sicilian Singers and yeah. I run the weekly rehearsal on Monday night and... Uh, of course, I, I wave my arms in front of the choir at the concert, but the singing are from the singers, and, and I'm really, really thrilled to be working with this group, and this is my fifth Christmas coming up. Well done. Andrew, let me ask you this. As a conductor, when you jump in and take over from your predecessor, as a musician, how long do you think it takes to get that, I don't even mean sound, mm -hmm. just that feel for you? Um, I mean, it took... It took a. Uh, a, a year i would say to to just get used to the the chemistry of this choir yeah. and and to get to know everyone um um before that i was in the states and yeah. i have conducted a few choirs as well so um but it has been a very very pleasant experience so liz it's got to be fun but really yeah. good and education, all these things, the choir needs to feel that they're going somewhere, learning stuff, getting better. That must be a really yeah. hard bunch of balls to juggle. It is, but we've had some great opportunities in the, in the last few years. I mean, we, we ended up taking a big group over to play, sing with an international choir in New York, Brilliant. which was for, which was for an international um, premiere for Paul Miller's Requiem, which was a fabulous thing to get involved in. Mm. And then we also won a commission to do a professional gig, which was to be the chorus behind Hans Zimmer when cool. he came to Hong Kong, which was a completely different kettle of fish. What, and actually it turned out... Well, it turned out to be probably one of the most technically difficult things I think I've ever done. As a, I mean, I'm, I've done big performances, and, yeah. and you know, but that was that was 16 of us sitting on a stage with a very sophisticated sound system and oh we all plugged yeah, in and click tracks and all that stuff. yeah and <laughs> and some of that some of that material because it's not choral it, it's it's all orchestral even if it's voice it's orchestral is amazing so you get something like crimson tide if you ever sit and listen to that track and i heartily recommend it okay. it's one of my favorite bits of music we at one point are singing 16 parts between 16 of us Wow. And it, it, it was phenomenal. The amount of rehearsal time for that was was unbelievable, but it was so much fun. Yeah, and you so just and we, you feel like yeah, rewarding is an understatement, right? Oh, we we absolutely came off the stage on that night absolutely flying. But it really it, it gave us a real taste for trying to open up opportunities for the choir in different ways as well. So not just our traditional sort of concert pieces, but also starting to look at changing, you know, sort of looking at smaller gigs or, or putting, you know, sort of small groups together and those kind of pieces. And to a certain extent, COVID forced us to do a little bit more of that from a from a small group's perspective. So you being bet. able to give certain groups and small voices parts to, to deal with and maybe something slightly more technical that you couldn't do with a bigger choir. So I think that's something that we will definitely continue doing. And I know as a group, as a, as a committee, that's very, that's something a lot of us are quite passionate about yeah. if we can continue to do that. So, I mean, I'm trying to say there was some serendipity in, in the whole time you couldn't get together and, and rehearse, but mm. you know, it's very hard because of all the lag and the latency and yada, yada, you can't, but Andrew, could you do like sectional rehearsals perhaps? Or was that difficult? Um, yes, we do some sectional rehearsals. So sometimes at the end of choir rehearsal, we just let half of the choir go first and then we, we run through some of the pieces, um, for the small groups. Yeah. Um, 
I know the choir have done actual sexual though, um, rehearsal before, you know. But on Zoom? On Zoom or was that impossible? No, so, so what we did during COVID, we, we had, once some of the restrictions loosened a little bit, we had a, one of the choir actually had the ability to host eight of us. So we had an I octet. Think. Yeah, which is in the room, which Fuck was a bit no. radical, but it was, it was a big room. <laughs> <laughs> but two people per part and that was live and we had Andrew in the room. So that was the rehearsal and then everybody came in by Zoom, but on mute. So oh, they wow. could listen, they could sing along. We recorded it. And actually it worked relatively well. And it meant we had kind of a super group in the middle who knew it all, who were solid in super each group. part. So, Brilliant. yeah. So <laughs> it, it did work. It's it's a difficult thing. As you, as you and I were talking about, the lag on this technology is difficult. Yeah. Even, the, even the specialist stuff doesn't work oh, fantastically really well. Doesn't. So yeah. it, it's it's been good. And we've still had issues. We still run a Zoom call every every rehearsal mostly to record but it allows oh. people who are COVID, covid restricted or on amber codes or are working at the moment to come in and actually listen to the rehearsal and make sure that they're they're keeping track of what's happening so yeah. it's it's useful technology and they're included basically yeah indeed all right yeah. then shall we talk about what's happening so you've got some christmas concerts that you want to invite our listeners and viewers to be a viewer and join us on the view the view the bruise uh, absolutely page. you what you got you even get you even get encouraged to sing um right so we've got three big concerts coming up we've got the 28th of november at st john's cathedral which is the traditional one for the sicilians yeah it's one we kind of view as our spiritual home and we haven't been there for a couple of years so that's quite a big concert for us yeah uh we are doing a much smaller and more intimate intimate one on the 2nd of december at st stephen's in stanley which is nearly sold out so if you want to come get in there quickly wonderful and then we're also doing the 5th of december at Cowling Union Church, which is actually where we rehearse. Um, and Pastor Maggie and her crew have been fabulous in letting us have that space. And, and again, the acoustics in it are lovely. So right. all of them should be should be great and, and distinctly different in their own ways because of the venues. But um, we are supporting Love 21. We are a charitable organisation, so everything we organise and, and run is on behalf of the charity we select for the season. Yep. So uh, Jeff and his crew at uh, Love 21 are going to be the happy recipients of our... Conductor Adrian Lang and singer Liz Sullivan of the Sicilian Singers were speaking to Phil Whelan on The Brew. If you would like to know more info about the concerts, be sure to check out their website at siciliansingers.com. And finally, to end today's week on three... Steve James will be taking you back to the 1960s with some good old Beatles. Take care and have a great day ahead. I'll see you next time here on The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. The Wednesday Afternoon Drive. I feel like I just ate some fancy margarine. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack a zoom a lack a wee But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea Oh, the golfer may be golfing And is just about to make a hole in three But it always gets in saw when the clock yells four Everything stops for tea Wednesday afternoon tea break, an excuse to play a handful of Beatles tunes We're covering 1966, 67 and 69 <laughs>
Looking 